Is your job search stuck? Maybe you're not getting any interviews with employers, or maybe you are, but no job offers. Or you may be new and not even know where to start. This is Charles Maxwood, and I'm releasing a new course ebook on how to find a job as a software developer. The course walks you through the process of finding the types of companies you want to work for, getting their attention, and putting your best foot forward as the candidate they want. I've coached dozens of developers in looking for jobs and have been able to help several people find jobs within two weeks to two months. So whether you're new to development, can't find a great job that fits what you want, or are looking for remote work from an area without a strong tech community, I can help. Go to getacoderjob.com and sign up today. Hi, this is Charles Maxwood, and I've been asked more times than I can count, how do I stay current? There's a lot to this question, and I'm working on a solution. Code badges. That's right. You heard me right. Basically, the idea is, is that you come and do a code badge, and that gets you an introduction to a topic. Then you can decide if you want to pursue it further. But while working on the badge, you gain enough proficiency to be able to pick it up again if you need. A lot of technology comes through on the bleeding edge, and not all of it sticks, but the principles do. So doing badges on the technologies that will get you ahead will provide you with experience needed to stay competitive. Plus, it offers social proof that you know something about the topic. The project is on Kickstarter right now. You can support it and get on the launch list at codebadge.org. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another My Angular Story. Uh, This week, we're going to be talking to Roderick Haddad. Um, Roderick was on episode 30 of Adventures in Angular when we talked to the Angular interns. Um, Roderick, do you want to kind of refresh our memory as to who you are and what you're up to these days? All right, sure. Um, well, again, my name is Roderick. I used to be on the Angular team initially as an intern and then as a, as a contractor. And uh, I kind of moved from that now, but I still have ties to Angular, you could say. So currently I'm the CTO of a startup in Lebanon called Codict. Um, uh, we manage high traffic websites like magazines and newspapers, but I'm still very much into Angular. I love, I love it. I love the framework in Angular too. Um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Very cool. Well, um, I sent you a series of questions that I'm going to ask, so, uh, let's just jump right in. Uh, the first question I have is how did you get into programming? (laughs) All right. Um, I started when I was 14. Uh, my goals were to build a tool for a browser-based game I was playing. Um, I, I had both my brother and my best friends who were into programming, and so they were helping me into that, to, to build tools for the game uh, and share it with the community. And later on, my brother also opened up a web development agency, and I started working with him from, from my house, um, just helping, helping him develop websites. And eventually, I got into Angular because of that, obviously. Cool. Um, so what was it about Angular that got you excited? Ooh, well, and I, I was always the, the JavaScript fanatic. Like, uh, I actually remember when I was still in high school, I read the ECMAScript 5 specification. Like, oh, who knows that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, I have to admit, like, at that age, I didn't understand everything that was in it. But I'm, I'm like, wow, I still went through it. Um, um, it's actually great learning resources if you want to learn uh, the language. Um, so... Yeah, I, oh, another fun fact, I'm I'm born in the same month that JavaScript got released to Netscape. So oh, like cool. I feel an, an attachment to the language. Um, so, yeah, I was always the, the JavaScript guy, and Angular was going in popularity. And so um, um, I think I started in it when I was in 2011, 2012. Um, and initially it was help, I was using it for my own projects, but also hel- helping people on IRC. Um, just back in the days. And, uh, you know, they say an expert is somebody who has done all the mistakes that are possible. And so helping out people <laughs> like on IRC that. ended up, 
<laughs> yep, yep. So helping out people on IRC ended up being a great way to learn Angular slowly. And so helping people there on Plunker and so on and move to GitHub issues, then sending pull requests to the, to the framework. Um, and at some point I met the Angular team in the first NGCon in 2014. And they asked me if I wanted to join them as an intern. I was like, for sure, yeah. And so that's that's my story, my initial story with Angular, if you want. So that's all it takes to become an intern on the Angular team, right? You go to ng-conf, get to know them, and then get them to ask you to come join them? Um, well, if, if your PRs are good and uh, you seem like a good member of the team and a good member of the community, I'm, I'm sure if they're looking for interns... Um, they're more than happy to have more good people on board. I am curious, though, you know, what, what's the difference between an intern and somebody who's a full-time uh, engineer at Google? Um, well, initially, an intern comes for a few months. Uh-huh. Um, in my case, after the internship, I ended up going as a contractor back when I was in Montreal at that time. Right. And the team was in California, so I can, did continue doing some remote work. Um well, a full-timer is, at the end, Angular is, is, a, is a team inside of Google. And so a full-timer um, would be a, Google, a full-time Googler, while an intern will be a, uh, a part-time Googler, if you want. Like, he, he's just there for a summer. Um, I imagine they, we, we, well, employees go through a, a tougher interview process. Mm, that's probably true. But when it comes to responsibilities, at least I know from my experience on the Angular team, uh, even though I was an intern, I still have a very, I had said, I had a very good knowledge of Angular one at the time. And so I felt like I had similar responsibilities to other team members, um, at least working on the core. So it's more about your knowledge than your employment status, if you want, I think. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think we dug into a lot of this on the, on the episode. I am curious though, um, yep. do you have any stories or sort of you know, experiences that you went through either as an intern or as you were leading up to or coming off of uh, being an intern that you want to share with us? Just kind of some inside view into what it's like to be on the Angular core team. Mm, okay, interesting. Um, now, uh, my my knowledge might be out of date because I was with them in 2014, 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, at least some funny stories. Um, I, I've, I've mentioned this kind of in my talk uh, I did a talk called Angular Behind the Scenes at ng-conf, um, but I, it's still fun for us to discuss it, I guess. It was once when I was releasing a new version. So it, basically what happened is at the end of a meeting of our, uh, of a team meeting, we usually, they usually decided who would release the next version. Uh, and so they did, it was decided that it was me. So it was a very new experience. And so I released a new version and had a bug that brought down a lot of tests inside of Google, oh, which no. is really fun. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, and so, um, uh, if, uh, it ended up, it was like a name collision with a library that all of, uh, that many of Google's Angular application used internally. And so, uh, we figured out it's a naming collision, uh, and, and ended up, we ended up needing to make a property be unique. And to do that, I added my favorite number to it. And so now if you look at any element in Angular 1, you find that there's a property called ng339. And 339 happens to be my favorite number. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. So you have your own little piece of Angular. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
So yeah, but uh, obviously that's not the only stuff I've worked on while on Angular. Um, I was actually looking through my commits uh, on the core team. Um, I, I helped with stuff in the one-time bindings and the interpolation speed uh, and some security stuff. So yeah, Th those were all through my internship. So for the most part. And after the internship, I was given the task of starting Angular CLI. Um, I didn't get too much into it, so I don't want to take credits for it. Uh, but I was a contributor on it as well. Very cool. So you you knew, unlike most people, when they go take a job, you knew how long you were going to be there. D yeah, so, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, well, initially, I initially knew the, the internship length. Right. Um, but so and after it, it seems we we made the deal where I was working remotely. Uh, so, um, yeah, you can. Yeah, you can say that when I got in, I, I knew how much time it was going to stay. So what does that change the relationship at all? Knowing, hey, you know, in three months, Roderick's not going to be around anymore. <laughs> Interesting. Um, so if anything, it changes that I was directly my supervisor was Igor. And so most of my, the things I would do went through Igor mm -hmm. and, and I'm like being maybe an independent team member, like a, you have a big project like the router or something. Um, uh, so there was that, but like before, before going into Google, I was already a contributor. So it's just, if anything, while, while, while on campus, my contributor, my contributions went up, but, um, like I, I was a contrib contributor before and I still stayed a contributor after it's just the time available for me, uh, to work on Angular that changed. Um, so I, I guess I'm a, a pretty special case because, because of that, um, like, um, I think one of some of my first contributions were in 2014, even though I trained, I joined in 2015. Mm, that's, that's interesting to me just from the standpoint of, I think most of the time when you think about interns, they're people who have just graduated from college and they're looking for a place to go to get some experience. And it sounds like for you, you were contributing to Angular and then they decided, hey, well, let's get your effort full time for a few months and mm -hmm. then you can go on and do other things. Yes, exactly. Um, and actually, I, I remember back at the time, looking around the, in the team, there was there was a lot of people who started as contributors and just ended up joining mm -hmm. because they were good contributors. In my case, because I was still uh, in college, um, they could fit me through the internship right. stuff of Google. And so um, actually, I'm looking now at my commits. My first merge request was in 2013. So I started in 2013 and two years after I met the team, uh, a year and a half after I met the team and joined the, the, the joined them officially. Uh, so yeah, as I was saying, most people will, um, on the team, like, uh, will contribute to a piece of angular because it's open source and there's, you can do whatever you want and suggest whatever you want, which is awesome. And so, um, um, yeah, most people would come as contributors and then they will join full time when like, Hey dude, you're doing amazing work. Do you want to get paid for it? <laughs> That's pretty much it. I know there were, there were a few contributors as well who worked for other companies that the companies would sponsor them to, to work on Angular, which was great to see. Mm -hmm. And, but otherwise if, if you're doing great work on Angular itself, um, or, uh, or maybe have great ideas, ideas for the framework, I don't see why they wouldn't come out and ask you if you want to join. 
That makes sense. So essentially, if you're a college student and <laughs> you start contributing to Angular, you have some reasonable uh, chance of becoming an intern at Google. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. Well, obviously, like you still need other stuff. Like if you're contributing, oh right, docs to yes, yeah, so like it's you still need the yeah. You can't just contribute to docs, for example, and just. Like, I'll be an intern because I don't think that fits through Google stuff. Maybe it would fit through Angular stuff, but because the team is part of the Google organization, there's mm -hmm. still the other Google interviews and so on. But yes, you have the right idea. If you're a college student and you're contributing to Angular and you're passionate about it and um, you're doing good work, the chances of you joining a team, the team would go up for sure. So then what do you do? You go to ngconf and you ambush. <laughs> <laughs> Jules or Brad or somebody. Um, um, in my case, there were oh god, there. In my case, there were two things that got me to to talk to the teams. I was so shy, like initially. Um, I, I had the merge request to which Igor did not want to merge, and so I was like, "Hey, dude, like, can we reevaluate this? Because I think it's a good idea." <laughs> and the, the, so that that happened at once. So so we sat together and talked, and there, there was another time in the same conference where. Uh, back in the days, uh, for the dependency injection, Voita had this idea for annotations and I had this library to have JavaScript annotations without the compiler, which is very hacky. Like you should, you shouldn't do it. And I don't want to advertise it because anyway, but it got, it got Voita's attention. So on Mishko as well. So then like I was presenting something new and I was sitting down with Igor to ask him for um, it, for further information on the pull request. And so both of them, I guess, made me stand out at that time. And so that's why they gave me an offer. That makes sense. But yeah. I, I honestly did not come with the idea of I want to join the team. For me, it was a very big surprise. I came because I want to make this better. Like that's, that's a much better mentality, I believe. Well, and I think, I think it's interesting here. Just, uh, if there's a lesson to be learned, I guess, is that, if you're out there and you're doing great stuff um, for a community, say Angular or somebody else, um, this is going to go out for Adventures in Angular. So most of the people listening are probably doing Angular. Um, awesome. But yeah, if you're out there and you want to make contributions, you know, sometimes those contributions will get noticed and you will get an offer like this. I think most people think about an internship as something you go out and actually apply to. And in this case, it sounds like you had their attention. They knew who you were and what some of your contributions were. And so they just said, Hey, do you want to be an intern? And that worked out. Yes, exactly. And so having a good GitHub profile where you put your, the stuff you enjoy working on is a great way also to get attention. Um, and, and it was my case back at the time. So what, what makes up a good GitHub profile? Just lots of contributions, a picture of your pretty face. I mean, what, what is it? <laughs> Um, well, to be honest now, I don't have a very good GitHub profile because I, I, my contributions to GitHub went down after joining Codict and the startup scene and so on. Um, interesting. What makes a good GitHub profile? Uh, for sure. A lot of activity. Like that's the first thing somebody would see. Uh, but also the, the, the things you've contributed to and the, um, the, the, for example, the things you forked and, and changed in them. Um, and, and for example, like when I'm looking at a, at the new GitHub profile, I also look at their own repositories, not just the stuff they forked to see what type of, what type of things they, they work on. 
Mm-hmm. And so then you have a sense of the person, well, of the code of the person, and you can see their code style, what type of stuff, stuff they care about. Like if, if you're somebody that like writes code and writes tests and the tests are good for them, like, Hey dude, like let's have a coffee. Like it's, it's, uh, it's, it shows a certain level of, uh, of quality in the code. And then if the person's good and the code quality is good, then you, you should probably want to have them on the, on a team, on your team. Sorry. And that helps with a lot of other things too. I mean, in your case, it helped you get an internship with Google, but in a lot of other cases, it may help you get the job that you want or get an internship somewhere else or get noticed by a related project or something like that. And so we're not just talking about if you want to get into Google, here's what you do. We're Mm -hmm. talking about if you want to get noticed and get this type of opportunity somewhere else, it also helps there. Sure. And also uh, contributing to open source or at least pushing your code into the open source world, uh, at least in my, in my case, pushes me to, to actually do the right things in my code. So then like, I'm not going to do the thing in a hacky way because so on and so forth. I'll write my commit messages, right. Uh, and so on, because I see the value of it because I see that, Hey, if I, if I'm writing something that's useful for me and will probably be useful for somebody else, it might be worth it to see how I can do a change log. Right. right? Uh, it might be useful for me to see how I can set up my tests. And it's actually great to see the tools around the open source community that offer their services for free, like Travis. If you're an open source project, they'd give it, give you Travis for free. Um, and because obviously it's like marketing for them, but it's also yeah. great for you. And there's uh, like uh, actually uh, joining now uh, Codec, the startup. I've been with them for about a year and a half now. And there's all these tools that I that I want to use. And I see they always have this open source option. I'm like, yeah, we should open source more stuff so that we can benefit from them. All right. So so tell me what you are working on now. So what is Codec? Is it C-O-D-E-C? Uh, C-O-D-D-I-C-T, like, co- like addict. Oh, Codec. gotcha. Okay. So what are you doing yeah. there? Uh, so the, the company itself manages high traffic websites like magazines and newspapers, oh, right. most, mostly in the middle East. That's our market. Uh, so we're based in Lebanon. Uh, and, um, so most of our clients are in Dubai though. It's a, it's a business to business uh, type of shop. So basically in, in a nutshell, we remove the risk for our clients when it comes to, to high traffic websites. So then they can, they can focus on sales. We have a technical department. I'm the CTO, so I'm, I'm heading that department. We also have a marketing department and, it's, and an editorial department that helps these our clients, which are high traffic websites. And it's, it's a lot of interesting challenges because you have like millions of visitors hitting all of your pages on your websites and then you need to cater for them. Keep this, this site speed up, keep uh, making the marketing department happy with all their requirements and so on and so forth. Um, so yeah, my, my goal in the company is to build the technical department again. And so I'm using all of my knowledge, be it from the quality that comes from open source and, and working at Google to try to build a good place to work as well as a place where the quality of our products are high. So what, what initiatives are you actually enacting then at, uh, Codict and specifically, um, in what ways were they? informed by being part of the Angular team. I'm really curious to see, you know, just what you're doing now, you know, with specific practices and, and how that came out of your time at Google. 
I see. Uh, well, um, if anything, Angular uh, made me realize how s- there's certain small things in a project are very important. Like I just mentioned the change logs, like they're, they're actually very important to keep things reliable. Uh, same thing with tests. Um, same thing with keeping all of the code looking the same. So pushing a, a, a style checker and making sure it's always passing. Um, uh, what else? I, more on a human level, it uh, it helps in uh, the, my experience at Google, for example, with one-on-ones with Igor. And so I want to have the same thing in the company here where we sit down and have a safe environment for every employee to be able to talk with their manager or supervisor and see how, how everything's going on, what they'd like, what they'd like to change. Um, and it's quite interesting because these stuff usually did not exist in the Lebanese business mindset. Um, and can, we're kind of introducing them and we, it's great to see the employees being happy, um, with these stuff in place. Are you uh, looking for yeah. something else? No, that, that was actually perfect. I'm really curious though. You, you mentioned that this isn't something that's common in the Lebanese marketplace, but, uh, do you find that it, it, it's having an impact beyond your company then, uh, or, or is it too early to tell since you've only been there for a little while? Yeah, it's, it's definitely too early to tell, I would say, but, um, at least I know like, um, usually like in, in Lebanon, there's not a lot of, uh, employment laws or at least they're not enforced. Uh-huh. And, but like we, we want to have all of them. We want to protect our employees. We want to, to give them a safe environment to work. Uh, we want beanbags everywhere. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we even have a puppy at the office. Well, our marketing manager um, uh, asked us if he can bring his puppy, which is now like nine months old. So um, he, he, and then we said yes. So now we have a puppy at the office. Um, I am totally revising my image of what it's like in Mountain View working on the Angular team based on what, what you you're mean? saying. <laughs> wait, wait, what do you mean? You said beanbags everywhere and a puppy. So is there, is there <laughs> NG puppy or NG beanbags oh. or? Well, well, Google lets you bring your dog to the, to the company. If you, if he's like a friendly dog, uh-huh. it's, it's actually quite crazy. I remember, uh, in the, in the kitchens, there were, there was these gum dispensers and by like, usually gum is toxic to dogs in case they fall on the floor. And if I remember correctly, somebody at like Google partnered up with the gum manufacturer to produce gum that is non-toxic to dogs. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> so we're not we're, like in Codex, we're not at the stage yet, but like it's, well, at least we have a puppy. <laughs> but yeah, like, yeah, that was the kind of stuff you'd find at Google. And yes, there were a lot of beanbags. And I remember they were huge beanbags, like they could fit two, maybe three people on them. And, and looking around in the country here, I couldn't find any. So we ended up making our own custom beanbags. Oh, um, nice. Just to have, to have them be relaxing. You should spin off a company that just does that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, first let's like change the, the business mindset in the country to want beanbags and then we'll, their, their need will be there. The demand will be there and then we'll provide. Oh, I the see. You create the market and then exactly. create the product. I like that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Actually I'm here just for this, for the beanbags. <laughs> nice. Oh, <laughs> uh. um, so yeah, uh, it, it's quite an interesting job as well because it's, 
pretty much one of my, my first time into management. Mm-hmm. Um, initially I was like fighting it a lot, but like now I see my role in it more of like empowering other people to do their, their work successfully. So I went through that stage, I guess, where everybody moving from development to management where like, I wish I was coding all day, but so, so far I'm, I'm like good back to normal. Yeah. I, I sometimes get to that point where I'm like, man, I wish I could just sit down and write code. Cause I do a lot of work just managing podcast website and making sure that people are uh, showing up when they need to for these kinds of interviews or Ooh. making sure that, you know, the guests or the hosts have what they need or trying to do marketing for the online conferences and things like that. And sometimes I, yeah, I think I'm, you know, Oh, it'd just be nice to just sit and write code all day, you know, cause the stakes are just a little lower, <laughs> right? It just has to work, right? The, the, the user has to be happy, you know, it, it's not, well, oh, are the employees happy or are, are the customers happy or, you know, are yep. we making enough money to pay the bills? Exactly. If it helps, you're doing a great job with a podcast and a conference and so on. Like high five over the mic. <laughs> I appreciate that. So anything else that you're working on besides uh, Codict? Any open source projects or anything else you want to talk about? Um, currently not at the moment. Um, sadly, like I, I would want to change that, though I'm not sure, like, you know, starting the company and so on, it's you um, you'd end up not having a lot of time. Also also changing countries. Like I, was, I used to live in Montreal. Now I'm, I'm in Lebanon, which was an interesting move. Um, so... Um, um, no open source stuff, but I do know like we want to launch our own blog where we can share all the knowledge we have in the company as well. Uh, be able to put like we, we got to a level where, level where we have certain standards in the company and I'd love to have that in like a blog format, like yet another blog. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, um, and if, if for sure, if there's places where we can open source stuff in the company, uh, I would push the, the people with me to go ahead and open source it because it just benefits everyone. Um, but so far we've been doing like very sensitive, um, tools if you want to make our, our jobs better, um, for our websites. So none of them are open sourceable, but at some point, like if we're building libraries, I would push for that. And, but yeah, no, no personal open source work so far. Um, it doesn't make sense when you're like part of a startup to say, I'm going to spend half of my day responding to GitHub issues right? instead of like doing this critical thing that if we don't do, we lose something big. Yeah, that makes sense. So for people here in the U S cause I know that most of the audience, probably about half, maybe a little bit more are in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then probably a good chunk of the rest are in, uh, Canada or Europe. Um, so I'm curious, since you said that your market is primarily in the Middle East, is Codex something that they people are still going to want to go check out? Um, interesting. Um, if if well, if anything, you can you can check out our Facebook pages, which has a lot of funny stuff. Uh, we have a, a interesting culture of the company, so you can check that out on our Facebook page. Um, um, at the current moment, there's no resources that would be useful for the outside world unless you want to invest in high traffic websites in the Middle East. Then you can contact us for sure. Um, otherwise, uh, there's nothing specific I can link to that would benefit everybody, maybe the audience okay. of, the, of the podcast. 
and for the people that are in the Middle East. So, um, All right. well, well, if yeah, well, if you're ever, oh, sorry. are there specific markets or countries that you serve or just any country in the Middle East? Um, it's usually any country in the Middle East, but often you find that everybody's based in Dubai. Okay. Because it's just mostly stable and that's where most of the money is. And, um, also I believe they don't have any taxes. Which is interesting. Nice. <laughs> but um, how do they find you? Um, so for currently we're we're growing via our clients, knowing clients. It's a it's quite a niche market where again we're just managing magazines and newspapers uh, that are high traffic. Um, so far we we're not we don't have any investors. We are all funded by our projects. Um, so for, for which for a startup it's you don't find that often. And so, um, sorry, I'm having a blank. I imagine you added this. Um, I, yeah, I so, guess, so, sorry. Yes. I guess what I'm really asking is let's say that we have listeners in Dubai and I'm sure we have some, mm-hmm. um, how, how do they get a hold of you if they want your help? Oh, well, contact at codec.com or, or you can, that, that sounds pretty straightforward. Yeah. yeah or you can, um, we can, talk to us on our website is currently in development. Um, um, so I, I was going to say like go to our contact us, but maybe by the time you, read, you listen to this podcast, you'd have a con- nice contact us form on our, on our website. Uh, otherwise, otherwise contact at, at, um, uh, com. you'd get to us, um, or our Facebook page if you want. Um, so yeah, if you're interested in, in starting a high traffic website, where you probably would want some marketing for it, some technical support, or even if not some website development for it and some editorial advice, um, then you can check out Codict and it will give you like a complete solution for this. But it's actually quite interesting because it, the company grew organically. It, and currently we're at a point where an investor can come in and just say, I want a lifestyle magazine and we'll do the study and we'll do everything and we can get it to a point where it's monetizable where the person just has to either turn around and do some uh, advertisement sales, for example, on the website, or if the website is special interest, like he can make money for, out of that, uh, or he can go to, for programmatical ads, uh, programmatic ads and make money off of that too. So we offer all of the services being website development, getting it online, keeping it online, as well as the marketing, the ad operations and the trafficking to get people to the website, the social media, as well as the editorial. Uh, we grew to currently uh, 17 people in a year and a half. And um, so it's quite interesting. All right. Well, uh, the last thing that we do on the show is picks. Um, right. You've been on the show before. You kind of know the drill. Do you have some mm-hmm. things you want to shout out about? Uh, can it be like more ideas than products? Oh, absolutely. Anything you want. Awesome. Uh, well, I want to just bring back the value of, of uh, when you're in a situation where you're looking, you're working with somebody else's library, library, don't hesitate to jump into that person's code. Uh, you end up learning so much from it. Like I, I know I've learned a lot from reading Angular's code base at the beginning. I've like read backbones, uh, back at the time. Um, I've jumped into jQuery. I've drawn, jumped into symphony on the PHP side. And so reading somebody else's code makes you understand it better, but also gives you uh, ideas on how to make your code better. And, um, and another thing I wanted to shout out is that when you're joining somewhere new to work, like when you're joining a new company to work at, I believe what matters the most are the people that will be around you. 
you know, you'll see these people every day and you interact with them. So hopefully they'll be the kind of people that will empower you to grow and yet it'll be pleasant to be around. Uh, I feel like I had that on the Angular team with, where it was always fun to be around the Angular team. And I also have that at Codec now where I enjoy being with the people that work there. And also from the other side, you can try to be that person, that person who other people enjoy working with uh, because it just makes everything better. All right. Well, I'm going to jump in here with a couple of picks. Um, All right. The first one is um, over the um, the break, the holiday break here mm-hmm. uh, for Christmas and New Year's, I was hanging out with my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, and they're really into this game called Game of War. Uh, right. It's on the it's on the iPhone and Android, and yeah, I've been playing it probably way too much, um, and I don't know why I've been spending so much time on it, but I have. So um, I guess it's a guilty pleasure, but yeah, um, really enjoying that. Um, another thing that I'm going to pick, and this is something that uh, I've I, I read it last year, and I'm getting ready to implement my second round of this. Um, it's called the 12 week year. Um, it's a book and it basically outlines how to plan your year. But then what they do is they tell you to shrink your year from 52 weeks to 12 weeks. And so you essentially get four 12 week years in a, in a full year. And the reason that they do this is with the argument anyway, is that most people, they set their goals for the year and then in January, they're like, well, we still have 11 months, whatever, you know, March, we still have nine months. Um, you know, by the time June rolls around, it's like, oh, maybe we should really get serious about some of these goals for the year. And, you know, so by the time you get to October, it's like, okay, now we got to really just get everything in gear and get things done over the next three months. And so their argument is, is, well, why not just set those goals for three months and then do it again for the next three months? And that made a lot of sense to me. And then their whole process for um, where do you want to wind up? What are you working toward? What are you trying to do? And these are longer term, like three to five years. And then breaking that down into, okay, so what do I have to do over the next three months? That's a time horizon that I can really think about. A year is a little bit long for me to be able to say, okay, well, I'm going to do all of these things over the next year and I'm going to be closer to where I want. If I work for 90 days or 12 weeks and then I realize you know what, I need to tweak where I'm trying to get to, then I can do that. I can I can adjust course a little bit and then make the next 12 weeks that much better. Or if I get extra stuff done or I realize that something's more work or something like that, again, it gives me enough time to adjust. So it's kind of like agile, but for your life. Um, and so I, I really, really love the book. And so I'm going to pick it on here as well. So, so what's the name of the book again? It's called The 12-Week Year. Do you know who, who is it from? I will have to look that up. Um, but yeah. Okay. Um, I, actually I have, I have a pick, uh, just came up for something that might help with that. Uh, it's called OmniFocus. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Yes. OmniFocus is terrific. I've also been using, um, Asana. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. For your personal stuff? Um, for my personal stuff, I'm still working on that. I've used OmniFocus in the past. Um, I've used a lot of different things in the past, to be perfectly honest. Um, mm-hmm. Somebody in one of my one of the groups that I talk to every week, the twelve week year is by Brian P. Moran and Michael Lennington. Um, right. But the uh, wh- anyway, um, 
OmniFocus. Yeah, one OmniFocus. So one of the guys that is in one of the groups that I talk to every week, um, I'm in a couple of masterminds. Um, he put together a spreadsheet for for the uh, the 12 week year, and so for those things, I manage a lot of my personal tasks like the things that I need to get done that week or the things that uh, I need to get done on a regular basis, like every day that are part of that 12 week year. Um, I put those in there and then um, yeah, the more personal tasks, they're usually managed for the business. So I just put them in Asana or um, yeah, I have other lists that I've just created in Asana and I just put them in there. And that way all of my stuff is in one place. I was using Basecamp before, but Basecamp turned out to really not be what I needed. Um, yeah. And I'm really liking Asana for this. So I can just create private lists and get that done. Um, and, and yeah, I just track most of it in Asana. But yeah, those things that are specifically part of my goals for the 12-week year, they go into that spreadsheet. And then I mark them off because part of 12-week year is tracking what you got done and essentially scoring your week. And so you get an 80% if you got 80% of your tasks done that get you toward that goal. And so then you can, um, you, you also set up accountability groups and you have a weekly accountability meeting where you get in and you talk about, okay, I got 89% this week and this is what I'm doing next week. Or if somebody got like 50 or 60% in your accountability meeting, then you can really quickly, you know, dig into why and try and help each other out. So yeah, well, that's amazing. If you have that, also that support system around you, yep, that, that's just great. Yeah, it's terrific. So, so yeah. Um, there's actually one thing you mentioned. You said made me remember something I found exciting today, uh, which is Google scripts. I don't know if you've ever played with those. No, um, what is this? It so sounds Google like magic. <laughs> so it, it is actually Google scripts. So you can do them in the Google Developer. Stuff actually, it's more easy to get to them. For example, if you're in a Google document, you pre click on tools and then you do like new Google script. Uh, it allows you to have access to all of the APIs of Google using just simple JavaScript uh, objects. As in, you can just do like in Java in Google script, which is a subset of JavaScript. You can just do uh, Gmail app dot send email and it sends an email, or you can do a spreadsheet app dot select this column to this column or you can let's say you're pulling data from any service at google like for example analytics you can do analytics the dot get all the sessions from this data to this state and so it's an amazing language to help you integrate all of the google services together and um if if you want to automate stuff that are from google i uh, just you and they, you can even do ajax calls to outside of the domain of google um, so it's quite interesting. Um, uh, if you, if you want to automate stuff like this, um, I, I would advise people to, to check it out. Very nice. I'm very into automation. So, uh, Same I'm, I'm going to have to go check it out. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, if people want to, uh, follow you on Twitter or, um, uh, kind of keep track of what you're doing these days, what's the best place to do that? Uh, Twitter would be RadiHaddad.com, so R-O-D-Y-H-A-D-D-A-D. Um, though uh, I, I don't tweet a lot, though I do actually tweet stuff that I find very useful. Um, um, otherwise, yeah, that's a good way to get in touch. I, I was going to suggest Facebook because I'm more active there. Um, 
Uh, I actually, you mentioned magic. I'm also a magician, like a cultural magician. Nice. <laughs> so sometimes you'll you'll find things there related to that. <laughs> Is there a good way to find you on Facebook or to like uh, Codic over there so that you can see what's going on that with that? Yeah, sure. You can like Codic C O T D I C T or just uh, message me or follow me on or add me on Facebook. So Roderick Haddad, you can search that. Or, or Twitter, I guess. Um, you can find me on all three. All right, sounds great. Well, thank mm-hmm. you for coming. Um, we're gonna go ahead and wrap this up, and you'll get another Angular story next week. Awesome. Have a good day, everybody. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit c a c h e f l y dot com to learn more. <laughs>